Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. Today, we're talking about burnout. It was like I had let the urgency and the schedule dictate me. And how it doesn't always happen suddenly. I kept waiting. I kept just saying, well, next month it will get better. Burnout can creep up on you over months and even years. I just felt like that person was totally lost. When you are that depleted, it's hard to pull yourself out of a downward spiral. On teleconference, I have with me my good friend and colleague, Dr. Kristen Pruitt. Kristen has joined Hello Health as one of our workshop facilitators, and I'm thrilled she's crossed two time zones today so she can be here to tell us her story. Kristen is a family medicine physician living in Billings, Montana. She chose family medicine because she wanted to look for health rather than focus on disease. While she sees women and men in her practice, she focuses on women by still doing prenatal care, newborn rounding, and she has a special interest in helping women succeed in their breastfeeding goals. She is also involved with medical student education and often has a medical student working with her, which keeps her on her toes. Kristen was an English major at the University of Virginia because she loves to read. She went to medical school at Des Moines University College of Osteopathic Medicine. She then completed her internship and residency in family medicine at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, graduating in 2012. She is married to a physician. They're raising their two sons in Billings, Montana, which does allow for lots of time outdoors and in nature. She is still an avid reader, and she also enjoys hiking, running, and spending time with her family. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carmen. I'm so happy to be here. This seems almost surreal, (laughs) given how long we've known each other. (laughs) How are things in Montana? They're great. It's a, like a lovely fall day. Yeah, we don't get much of a fall um, often in Montana. So we're having like the yellow leaves, just like a more of an East Coast fall, I would say. <laughs> oh, I like the East Coast fall. The The yeah. leaves are changing here as well. And pecans mm-hmm. are to be foraged now. So that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I got to say, you have a journey to health story to tell that is so rich with wisdom, and I want to make sure we have time to cover it all. So let's dive right in. We've known each other for a long time. (laughs) What is it? It's something like 28 years? Yeah, we met in high school. Um, (laughs) Right. We both of our, for the listeners, both of our dads were in the army, and so um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky (laughs) was where we met. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> gosh. I, I mean, it's yeah. three decades. Is, it yeah, just makes me yeah. feel like I, you know, I feel right. old. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but we met auditioning for the school drama play. <laughs> um, that, you know, I actually don't remember it's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So listen, even back then, you've been one of the healthiest, most athletic people that I know. Uh, we've trained for and run a marathon together in the rain, right? You're, yes. you're a cyclist. Are you still cycling with? No, I like, my husband's a huge cyclist. I like to bike commute if the situation arises, but um, yeah, I prefer my legs hitting the ground, not the pedals as much. <laughs> <laughs> and you enjoy hiking. How often are you out with your family? Well, we live in walking distance to the Yellowstone River, um, Ooh, so pretty. we are just down there as often as we can um, for 
daily outings and then probably more of a day trip um, or weekend getaway, maybe monthly um, is sort of our goal to go to a, maybe a longer trail, something not right in our backyard. Yeah. So, you know, okay. So this is what I find a little fascinating. Like you're one of the most seriously like active people with the family that I know. And so I'm just wondering how you kept that up during medical school and whether that ever changed for you. Yeah, I would say the activity piece, um, you know, that has, you're right, it's been sort of interwoven into me since I was a child. My family was very active um, and we've tried to model that with our kids. So um, now I will say in residency, it probably looked a lot different. You know, I was extremely busy with work hours and weird overnight shifts and things like that. But um, yeah, the activity piece of my health has never really been something I've struggled with. Um, I would say there are other aspects that I have, but uh, staying fit and making time for that has always been a priority of mine. Are you willing to tell us more about what you have struggled with? Sure. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, thinking back since I mentioned residency, you know, that's, um, most people know in a doctor's training, that's probably the, the toughest part of our careers as far as um, the work hours. The I was still training when we had the every fourth night was an overnight call. So you'd have the 30 hour shift in a row. Um, it wasn't every single month, but you know, quite a few months of the year. Um, and so during that time, you know, I really just accepted it. I had this great acceptance of this is just my life right now. And the truth was I felt very vibrant during that time in my life. I felt like I was exactly where I wanted to be. You know, I, I took a very non-traditional path to medicine. Um, like you mentioned, I was an English major, but I was also a non-pre-med English major. And I, I used to actually make fun of all the pre-med people because they seemed like they were way too intense and <laughs> studying. Thanks a studying, lot. Thanks a right, lot. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> studying way too much. <clears throat> um, and uh, I was reading great novels in coffee shops, you know, so life was good. Um, but interestingly, because I took this non-traditional path, when I decided to go, I was ready. You know, I was really hyper motivated, hyper focused, and so by the time I got through with my medical school training, um, uh, which you know for me it was at Des Moines University, and I just loved my school. I loved my school. I loved the support I got. It was a very positive experience for me. And then I transitioned to residency, and with family medicine, you know, each of the medical fields has a very different pulse has a very different vibe. And I really found like I'd met my people, you know, these were my people, these family med uh, guys and girls. And so um, the University of Wisconsin was just an extension of that. I mean, really amazing human beings. I felt lucky to be there, but um, I also felt like I was in my home. Um, so self-care at that time you know, it was really, it's so funny to look back on it. I wasn't tracking steps. I wasn't worried with getting in a daily walk. I mean, I just was um, surviving, but thriving at the same time. I would get in a Bikram yoga class. That's, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's that intense kind of 90 minute hot yoga class that's also can be very meditative. And if I got in that 90 minute class, even three times a month, I mean, that was a success for me, you know, so not even weekly. Um, 
And the other cool thing was that because I had these great friends, I actually started a residency book club. Um, and we would meet about once a month. Yeah, the yeah, English major, you can't take the English exactly. major out of the doctor. Like, not even no. in residency. By the right. way, folks, this is extraordinary yeah. that somebody yeah. was feeling vibrant during medical school and yes. residency. I know. What, I a know. Wonder, what a wonderful and lucky chance. Right, right, right. So then you started a book club. Yeah. <laughs> of course and, you did. <laughs> And, uh, and I mean, the thought of that now is so foreign, like that I right. time or energy to do that. Um, but it was, it was really good. And so, um, the, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, looking back on it, I think it was a period of my time that I'm not saying there weren't lows or there weren't downs and challenges. Of course there were, but I ultimately felt pretty good, um, and so it was sort of at the end of residency and then after residency with my with my first job um, when we moved to Billings, Montana, that things kind of shifted. I did have my first son in the second half of my last year of residency. But, you know, even that I had um, a strangely event free pregnancy. I liked being pregnant. Oh I had. A, yeah, I had a really easy labor. Like these are all the stories that, you know, people it's almost like you don't want to tell because everybody else had a really tough time and you're like, oh, really? it's kind of not that bad. Um, and um, I had a, a very easy labor um, and then even breastfeeding. I mean, there were some challenges, but uh, my program was very supportive and I was able to reach the goals that I wanted to knowing that those are different, you know, for each woman, but I was able to nurse and then pump when I returned to work, all of those things. By the way, what, um, what an ad yeah. for your residency program and for right. your medical school. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just the way it should be. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, like you mentioned, my husband's also a family medicine doctor, and um, he was in the rural track of our same residency and was a year behind me. So by the time we transitioned from Wisconsin to Billings, which was our first job out of residency, um, my older son was about 18 months old and, um, you know, I, uh, started the new job, which again, it seems counterintuitive, but for me, that first job out of residency was actually a lot harder. It's not that I didn't feel competent and well-trained, but let's face it. It's the first time where no one's looking over your shoulder and absolutely. <laughs> you know. It's a huge, huge thing in terms of, yeah. Yeah. For, so for the non-physicians, you know, mm -hmm. it's a physician married to a, phys a physician, a two physician mm -hmm. household. There are kind of inherent strains in that. But then going mm -hmm. completely from being a supervised physician to mm -hmm. being an attending physician, it's just such a huge jump in our careers. Um, so it's a huge promotion, right, from one level to the next. And yes. you're coping with that. Um, at the same time, you had been a mother for mm -hmm. only 18 months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, in a new city, um, I had never, I've lived in many different States, but I'd never lived in Montana. Um, and we, we literally knew nobody here. Um, and while it was, you know, uh, many people were very warm and, and welcoming and all of those things, those, those friendships and those new connections don't form overnight. So even know, when you're an first, army brat and you're really good even at making when you're friends. An army brat. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> 
even when you and I could talk to anybody anywhere, anytime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really warms up your bedside manner. The army brat. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, you like. I and it, it, that's actually true. I have sort of a genuine interest in talking to just about anybody. So, <laughs> um, but what I will say is that it, this all took me by surprise. Even though I knew all of these things, um, it just took me by surprise as to how hard of a time I had coping with this new move and this new adjustment. And then in that second year that we were in Montana, that's when I had my second son. And again, good pregnancy, good labor, all of those things. Um, so that was, uh, and I, I am fully aware that not everybody has that situation. So I'm very thankful. Um, but it still kind of did a number on me. Um, and so what started happening was I just felt like I was constantly not in my own head. I was not present. Um, I was constantly thinking about all of the work that I had to finish when my children um, went to bed. Uh, now, I will say, like what mother does not, or father does not want their kid to go to bed by eight o'clock at night, right? You were like, oh my God, just go to bed, right? Go to bed. I have two hands in the air. Yeah. Oh, yes, boy. Yeah. yes. <laughs> so I'm not saying that like every parent is sort of like, okay, I'm ready for some non-child time uh, by the end of the night. But for me, what this meant was that four or five nights out of the week, I was rushing and wanting them to go to bed and not being present in my own in my own space and enjoying the time that I had with my two lovely sons because I knew I had to log back on and finish those charts and finish those inbox and finish those emails and finish prepping for the presentation I was doing whatever you know insert whatever task it needed to be um, and I think everybody experiences that on a regular basis and that, and that's not on a regular basis, I should say. Um, that's why we talk about, uh, practicing mindfulness and, you know, working on ourselves and working on being in the present. But Carmen, this went on for five or six years. And I think what finally, what I realized was that I kept waiting. I kept just saying, well, next month it will get better next month when, this task is done or when this current obstacle is overcome, it will get better. And it was just this very um, slow burn of constantly not feeling like I was being present in my own life. Um, so, and, you know, what, and, I, what I hear yeah. you saying, and I can see just yeah. how emotional you feel mm -hmm. uh, about this, just how much it was really affecting your life. But, you know, we started with how active you are and how your mm -hmm. physical health was, was really good. It was really mm -hmm. good. And you were blessed with these great pregnancies. Any, any woman mm -hmm. would be so happy. <laughs> Trust me, I would have mm -hmm. changed places. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, right. but still, um, the, the stress of what's being required um, at work and the, the stress of what's being required when you're not blessed with easy sleepers who just conk out at seven, plus those women who, you know, yes. <laughs> have those types of sleepers. And right. the, 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 it all coalesced together. And it sounds to me like you were working a third shift. 
So in the popular literature, we hear there's the second shift, which is usually the implication of working mom, all mothers work, but a a mom who works for pay goes out, does her nine to five, comes back home and does the second shift of mothering. Then you were doing the third shift, going back to your paid position. And the things that you were doing were required. They had to get done. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, And you know, one of the things that um, I've, and we can talk about sort of some things that have changed too, but one of the ideas was uh, what you talk about a lot with urgency. Um, And so I think I had a feeling of urgency because I'm sure like most of your listeners, you know, I'm a responsible professional person who takes the duties that I have on my plate seriously. And so I want to complete tasks and, you know, do what I'm supposed to do for my patients and for my colleagues. Um, But I had sort of, it was like I had let the urgency and the schedule dictate me instead of me dictating my schedule. And I kept looking for all these external things to change, you know, like, oh, I just need to change my clinic schedule. And if I, if I, start at a different time or work through lunch, then that'll fix it. Or I need to, um, you know, more pie in the sky. Like if, you know, if everybody had on-site daycare and everybody had, you know, uh, six months maternity leave, you know, sort of these grand, I'm not saying I wouldn't advocate for those things. I absolutely would. But these were things that I had no control over and they were things that were not going to change <laughs> in the immediate near future. Um, and so, I had to stop focusing on all these external things and really shift internally um, for things to, to get better and to change. What what was your internal life like at this time? I, I mean, I can picture you. I can see you working the clinic. And, and let's face it, not every doctor takes on medical students in such a prominent way as I know that you have. And so that's, that's an additional role. And I know that you also have administrative um, pieces to what you do. So you're wearing three hats, at least, that I know of at work, which is extraordinary. Um, you really are such an extraordinary human being. You have been your whole life. Um, but, you know, I see you coming home and I see you with your kids and I see like the getting the dinner on the table. And I, I know that your husband is also supportive, but also busy. Um, you know, what is the internal life like at that juncture? Because we see, we can see that in our heads, but we don't know the experience of that. Yeah, it felt it felt very cluttered. Um, would be one way to put it, um, and I felt um, I just felt like I really wasn't, you know, that that person that I described at the beginning with when I was in my twenties. You know, I started residency when I was thirty, um, and so that vibrant person who felt like she was exactly where she should be doing what she should be doing and kind of leading the life that I wanted and should be living. I just felt like that person was totally lost. And if you think about it, if, (laughs) if you can have, if you can be that person and, and, and keep that person alive and not just treading water all the way through medical school and residency, I should be able to be that person on the other side (laughs) because, um, 
the time commitments and constraints of residency were truly not my own. Uh, they were really imposed on me. And so clearly, you know, what was I doing wrong to not be finding that person that I knew I was um, without all of these external time commitments pushed on me? And, and really what I'm talking about is I... Um, I'm not working an 80 hour work week anymore, thank God, <laughs> you know, in residency, but yet somehow things were still very disjointed and cluttered to where it felt as though I were. Wow. You know, I have to ask as your good friend who was witnessing this, um, but from afar, uh, you know, kind of over the phone um, when we could snatch you know, 20 minutes together on the phone, and it felt like such a luxury. How could your friends have helped you during this really challenging time? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, because I, um, I have good friends here. And I have good friends, you know, having lived in, I think, 10 different states throughout my life, I do have friends that are, you know, scattered across the country, like you, um, and others. And that is one thing that I've, I think, been sort of um, introduced to with the Hello Health system was um, asking for help more specifically or asking and not even a specific task, especially if you think of people who aren't physically here in the city that you live in, um, those friends can help in, in different ways. But um, like I can recall even Carmen, when you've you know had hard times in the past and you know, um, I just don't think I was as transparent in the past with what I did need. And I didn't just need a conversation to let's just catch up and sort of go over the superficial. I'm doing this. You're doing that. What are my kids doing? What are your kids doing? And I want to know all of those things about you and your life and my friends and their, their families. I want to know all those things, but it almost is a different conversation that needs to be had at a different time. And, and your description of creating that backstage, which you talk about in some of your previous podcasts and in some of your other teachings really, really uh, resonated with me. Um, and I, I have reached out to several friends and specifically asked them to be part of my backstage. Hey, used, all right. right I've used that's that word. Great. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they are also women who um, are professionals, some of them in very different fields, some of them also in medicine. And um, I've, you know, explained what you've taught me as far as this is, this is, um, this is friendship plus where it's, it's, I want to know all those catch up things. And I really want to know about you as a person, but also maybe I need to kind of brain dump for a minute, you know, and I, I really need a specific ask for I'm wrestling with this, or I've got this idea, but I don't know how to flush it out. Or, um, I'm just, I love the second present. brain. Oh man. The second yeah, brain, the second brain nice idea. Have. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, um, maybe I had done that more organically in the past when your but friends have, were in your natural path and your life yes. as complicated as it was, wasn't nearly as complicated as it is now. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, um, and now, you know, again, just never mind the thought of a monthly book club with friends, yeah. but an actual friend, uh, 
outing conversation with connection that doesn't get um, interrupted by mommy I get, <laughs> exactly exactly oh my gosh you know? and, uh, or or the pager going off or the cell phone texting right, right right so yeah that that backstage idea has just really really been helpful and uh and I'm looking forward to um sort of flushing out that idea we've talked about sort of the vital friends in our lives and and also not always reaching out for the same friend for the same problem um that I I do have a diversity of friends and that um I can use them and use their brain (laughs) for different things at different times when I have different needs and that's been really exciting So this is a great time for a short break. We'll be back with you after a few words. Hey, everyone. On Tuesday, October 20th, we're offering a complimentary mini workshop called Lightening the Load of Anxiety. Join facilitator Dr. Mukti Kanji as she helps you decide if you're a worrier, a stressor, or an anxious achiever type and learn how to free yourself up so you just feel better. That's Tuesday, October 20th, starting 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register now on our website, www.hellohealthtoday.com events. Now, on with the show. So, Kristen, from your point of view, what are the symptoms of chronic burnout? I think for me, it was year after year thinking next month, next month, it's going to be better. You know, it just, it's going to, something's going to shift. Something's going to change. Um, but yet I wasn't actively doing anything to change it. Right. (laughs) Um, and then I just felt very unsettled. I felt like I wasn't living that vibrant, authentic life that I was supposed to be living. And it, And then inside my mind, it just felt very unsettled and like I was on that hamster wheel. Um, And that hamster wheel was the wheel I wanted to get off. And I kept thinking, next month I'll get off the hamster wheel, but I couldn't or I didn't know how. Or maybe you just didn't have the energy. Maybe I didn't have the energy. Exactly. Um, And, you know, it's very hard. It's interesting in, in the medical field. I would say the majority of the chronic diseases that we really worry about are actually silent. You know, if you think about hypertension or even diabetes, you, you don't really feel them until (laughs) they're They're quite far along Mm -hmm. and progressed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of maybe how it is with chronic burnout too, where you just, it does take a while, unfortunately, to recognize it. Um, because you may not, you know, you're thinking to yourself or I was, but I'm eating relatively well. I, I'm really a fairly healthy eater and I'm exercising and I'm moving yes, my body. So absolutely. you see, yeah, these tangible things that you um, know you should be doing and I was doing them. So then what gave? Yeah, <laughs> what gives, absolutely. right? Um, you know, so one of the things I'm actually most proud of about the Hello Health system is that when you feel like this, because you're being so self-sufficient, Right. Mm-hmm. There's an expectation that is underlying the narrative inside your head that, you know, that something was wrong with you and you were supposed to fix it or maybe maybe not. But regardless, mm-hmm. you were being self-sufficient, which you always mm-hmm. have been. And many, many people who are masters in their own right 
um, or experts in their own right are self-sufficient people and we kind of pride ourselves on that. But one of the things our system helps people like you and like me do is really truly identify what you need. Clearly, you were missing something that you needed at, in this time in your life, um, which, by the way, I just, I just want to leap through this screen and hug you. But, <laughs> you know, we needed to get the right thing into your schedule, and you needed a process for figuring out what that was. So how were you actually introduced to Hello Health? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, you started earlier asking me about friends and how friends played a role. Um, and we sort of mentioned that you and I have been friends for a really long time. <laughs> um, I won't say too long. It hasn't, long, hasn't right. been long enough. Not nearly. Right. <laughs> um, and so you, I, I was um, not up to the moment aware of all of your um, professional endeavors, you know, at any given time. But at some point, you made me aware of the fact that you had started the Hello Health Clinic, um, which primarily uh, serves, you know, executive women. And then you, as a as a part of that, you uh, developed this podcast, you know, the Hello Health Today podcast. And so as a friend, you said, hey, check out what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, as your good friend, I wanted to support you. And so I said, yes, of course. Um, and so I remember like vividly listening to your first episode, I was driving around Billings, Montana, doing whatever, you know, in between kid activities or coming home from work or something. And I just, it, like, it was so lovely to hear your voice first of Aww. all, because you are my good friend, <laughs> but also that just really, even your tagline, um, health as a leadership strategy, it just kind of struck a chord and resonated with me. Um, because I don't think I had ever framed it in that way for myself. Um, and I, and I realized that there was probably an element of what you were talking about, um, that I needed. Cause I mean, we've, let's face it again, being a family med doc, I am talking about health all day, every day. Oh, yes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. so that's kind of, could be ironic maybe to some people. Um, but it's, uh, there was just this missing piece um, that oftentimes I wish I could get to my own patients and, and there's just some time constraints in a traditional clinic setting that I don't have to always talk about some of the wonderful things that you talk about. And I'm trying to, to remedy that myself, but then also for my own life, I recognized some of the things that I might be missing um, and so I started as your friend and supporter and then became a loyal listener. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Did you just say this podcast changes yeah. lives? Fantastic. Right, right. That's what we're here for, right. folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did you decide that you wanted to be a Hello Health facilitator? Yeah, I think um, I think it was uh, probably a few months into listening to the podcast. And I think you and I, I think I just texted you. <laughs> I think I just texted you and said, I want to help you with this. Or, can, I, can I be a part of this? You know? Um, but yeah, it was that idea that um, the, the really the, 
the goal of the physician or the, the meat and potatoes of the physician is that one-on-one -on -one interaction, you know, and I, I actually love family medicine and that I think we take public health, which is treating a population of people and bring it to the person one-on-one. -on -one. And that is such an important relationship. And that's why I love being a clinician. But this idea that I could have an opportunity to help uh, facilitate some of these workshops in the future and reach a group um, of, of uh, women at the same time just was a, a different part of my professional life that I wasn't having now. And it, and it just seemed to make a lot of sense um, to, to get involved. <laughs> so um, what, at what point are you in facilitator training right now? Are we six months in? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's been, um, it's been a, a, a I wouldn't say a formal process just because we're, you know, we both are busy and have our, our other uh, tasks going on, but we've been meeting pretty regularly now for at least six months. So part of um, what we do, yeah, so part of what we do as part of the facilitator training is you have to actually work the Hello Health system. <laughs> so it's been really fun working with you on that. What would you say um, was the most beneficial aspect personally? I think for me, um, you know, you had me do a personal health inventory, which I do love how robust and thorough it is. It's it's more than just when did you get fasting labs and you know, <laughs> get your flu shot and things like that, right? Um, so I did love that component, but um, you actually really in incorporated um, some professional development tools that I think I had been missing thus far in my career, just even as an individual physician, but also moving forward with Hello Health as a facilitator. And so, for example, one of the professional development kind of tools and goals that we were going over was doing the Clifton Strengths Finder, which um, a lot of people may have done, uh, a lot of your listeners, uh, maybe people were not familiar, as familiar with it, like yeah. myself. Well, hey, if you haven't um, done Clifton yeah. Strengths Finder, you should. It's really <laughs> helpful. Um, and we use it when it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then we didn't just do it and then say, oh, great, here are my strengths. Or And, and none of them are really described as weaknesses. It's sort of more, what are your top 10 strongest uh, traits and then maybe the, um, the the weakest of your strengths is how I look at it. But what I liked is that we really um, did a more in-depth investigation of them. And we talked about why they were strengths, but also why, why they could also be blind spots and why they could or lead to blind spots that would then affect my work life or my personal life or my um, interaction with other people. And so, uh, for example, uh, one of my top couple strengths is being an input and being a learner. And those things make sense to me because I just love to know everything, right? <laughs> That's why I read a lot and um, probably annoy some of the people in my life. No, you know, it's probably patients. why you know so much. <laughs> right. Right. It's but, fantastic. But it's like, let me... It's like, let me just tell you everything. Let me tell you everything you just about know everything so that much. I learned. It's great. <laughs> Lay it <laughs> <Right>. on me. <laughs> but then that could also be overwhelming to people, right? <laughs> like you want to be careful not to overwhelm them. Um, but also I think I was essentially overwhelming my own brain, right? Because I have all this input that I'm taking in all the time. And I genuinely want to know all the things. But then 
how does that not clutter your mind if you don't have a good way yeah. to organize it and manage it? It's so interesting. Um, so yeah. so we call that um, here, we call that cognitive overload. Mm-hmm. Just the sheer amount of different kinds of information that you pay attention to and that reflect, you know, the kids now have their own dimension, right? Mm-hmm. And right. medicine is, is changing at such a rapid pace and mm-hmm. so much information. It was just cluttering up your mind. That's so interesting. <laughs> and it's because of one of your strengths that, that it gets right. cluttered. It's so unfair. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like, because I wasn't doing anything to stop the input, right? Because I like the input. Yeah, I get it. I <laughs> but then it was, like, it. like, overwhelming me. Um and so um, as part of the Hello Health system, um, you know, Carmen, you were able to help me realize that I, so like where, where some of your listeners or some of your patients might um, really need that help of getting the input on the schedule of you have to budget that 30 minute walk or that 45 minute walk. Like I said, I was already doing that. So that's great. But why was I still not feeling as good as I think I could have felt? I needed help getting the prompt onto my schedule to actually get to like a zero inbox every week and to have a monthly declutter two hour block of my house or those types of things. And it sounds, I don't know when I say it, it sounds so simple, but it was definitely something I was not doing. I had these empty blocks of time, um, when I did have time for these things, but there was no structure, there was zero structure to it. And over the last few months, as I've structured that empty block of time that was just stretching in front of me and saying, nope, this is my time for zero inbox. This is zero inbox hour. This is zero um, electronic health record you know, yes, messages absolutely. hour. Um, now, all of a sudden, I when I'm putting my children to bed at night, I very rarely log in at oh, night anymore. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You stopped yeah. working the third shift. <laughs> yes, it's, yes. yes. Because I have a plan for it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not because I'm not responsible and I don't need to finish those things, but I have allotted the time. I have carved out the I time. love this. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Look at and that it smile. It's good. Better, right? <laughs> so, so you know what I love about what you just said there is that, you know, there's what we do at Hello Health is we link your physical well-being and your mental and emotional care to your professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. To your professional life and your career, right? And yes. there's just something about the way that we do this, that we have this process, it works. It works for everyone, including if you're a master at health yourself. You know, nobody can do it by themselves, can we? I can't do it without you. Trust me. That's why I keep calling you when I need a backstage. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is um, maybe some of the best insight you've gained um, through facilitator training? Yeah, I think... One, and again, we've sort of talked about this in a different way, but it's it's just not to be passive. I felt like I was so passive previously. Um, again, the hamster wheel, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been here for years now and it's still not better. And, um, and so 
that was a big insight for me. And, and the way you describe it is get the right inputs onto your schedule, right? Get, and you've, you've said that for various ideas, whether that's uh, prioritizing sleep or prioritizing the physical movement, et cetera. But for me, it was not being passive about these other inputs to help me um, with some of those other tasks. Like really supporting your amazing strengths because you yeah. have so many cool ones. Well, thanks. <laughs> and then I would say the other one is just, you know, <laughs> this idea that self-care is some like glamorous thing. And I think I knew this already, but working with you has helped me articulate it better. And it's like self-care is so not about a monthly massage, right? <laughs> like it's Oh, not, you were thinking about yeah. frou-frou self-care. Right. Like not like, exactly. did you like, eat something self-care. today? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And it's like so misused, you know, yeah. it's so misunderstood. Even and though I so, will say I'm game for a good old fashioned neuromuscular massage. Oh, me too. Massage. Me okay. too. <laughs> me too. I count that but that's too. that's not what it is, right? Yeah. So like you get the massage and then you're like, well, I still don't feel better. Like, you yeah, know, like I still, yeah. like I felt better in the moment. But, um, and so it's all that non-glamorous stuff. It's all the work. It's, but it's, it's meaningful work of doing those small things of, putting these priorities on your schedule and and making yourself that priority, just like you would prioritize any other work meeting or something like that, that you would do. Like, like I would prep for a meeting, I would prep for a presentation. Um, And so just getting the glamour out of self-care, I think was sort of an epitome. Oh, that's cool. That's, (laughs) I love it. I love it. That weird. um, Can we still go get nails done? I'm just saying. Yes. Okay. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, one of the things I remember as as we went through just really getting your needs explicitly stated on the page, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we make a really big deal of like, get this out of your head and onto the page as an actual mm-hmm. self-care plan. Right. Um, you know, that you're really overcommitted. <laughs> yes. How, how are you solving for that now? Yes. So, um, I had not been overcommitted actually for quite a while. Just so you know, Carmen remembers, you remember when I was <laughs> overcommitted, I think it's like you. a pre-med so student. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, how am I more stressed as a pre-med student? You're know, like trying to get into med school. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So I kind of learned that lesson in my early twenties. Um, and then I think it did, it's, it, just sneaked up on me again. You know, it really did. I would say in the last few years. Um, and part of it is that idea that we are capable and we're very caring and we want to be leaders and we want to be leaders in our organization and in the community. And I also want to set a good example for my children. Um, you know, all of these things. Um, and so, I found myself at this stage of my life as a mom to two young kids and still a physician and a wife and a, uh, a daughter, all of those roles. Um, all of a sudden I had, I had said yes to too many things. Um, and I think you can think of it as a commitment. Well, it's only one, a one hour meeting once a month, you know, uh, that's, that's not that much. Right. But when you add all of those things together, it is too much. Um, and so, you can think of them as commitments or responsibilities, but also as roles. And that's, I think, the, the verbiage that you helped 
use with me. Um, and, and I think it was seven rolls, right? Like we should yeah, that's have seven enough. rolls. Yeah, five, that's five right. is better, but you know, five seven, is better, seven, seven max. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, like counting my rolls. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh dear. Oh no, I did it again. Yeah, like friend, I did it again. Friend ends up on the back burner, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what you don't, right. <laughs> so, um, I had to write them down. I had to write down the rolls and then I didn't, you know, I think, like most of us, I, I didn't abandon anything, but some of these roles had time commitments that were ending, right? And so I've made a conscious decision to resign, step down, hand over the reins. And then even recently, I was just asked to be on a new committee at work. Um, and I, after like a week and a half of looking at the email and almost applying for this new committee, I emailed it back and said no. Oh, you said no. <laughs> right. Yes. I said no. I'm so proud of you. Right. <laughs> that's true power. The and ability to say no is so that's powerful. That's right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's, um, there's, there's just, there's just something to be said for knowing that you, I would have contributed to that or that committee, I would have been oh, absolutely, an yeah. asset. You know, it's not. You have to just be okay, knowing that they're going to be okay without you, and that this was not the right time for you to be a part of that thing, whatever that thing is. And yeah, it was very liberating. It was. I, I wondered. Felt, I, I wonder really how. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 The week and a half of like, like, like. Let me start filling out the application. I'll just start filling it out. You know. <laughs> Like, don't do it. <laughs> Kristen, so. uh, Kristen, my, Dr. Pruitt, you are so fantastic. I'm, I'm thrilled that you have joined our team. Um, do you have kind of a way of giving us some action steps? So if, if someone feels like they are burned out, or even if it just has kind of crept up on them, like at the chronic mm-hmm. burnout kind of picture, what would you ask us to do to help us feel better today? Yeah, I could, I could help with that. Um, they, they probably tie a little bit into my insights, you know, and so the one would be like, like, I think action step number one would just be stop being passive, you know, and that's going to look different though for everybody. Um, and so, um, but I, I do remember Carmen, you talking about it in one of your early podcasts. Um, I think it was when you were talking about the jugglers where it's sort of like, you have to be able to, um, something has to give, you have to be able to make some change, whether that's delegating. So don't be passive and delegate to somebody else. Don't be passive and get the right inputs onto your schedule. Um, but if you just are passively waiting for something else to change in your life, it probably is not going to happen. And then, um, I would say number two for me was the, um, is, is the re-examination of your friends. You know, I just really, it has been so joyful to reconnect with you, Carmen. Aww. And yeah, and we weren't disconnected, but we certainly have been a lot more connected than we ever have been for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, and we've done it in this very professional capacity where, you know, I'm working, um, I'm training with you to be a facilitator, but at the same time, because we are friends, it's just been, you know, a wonderful reminder of that role, which I think, like you just said, often gets put to the 
the last role in the rung of all the all the roles that we have in our lives. Yeah, because your friends are um, so forgiving, right? Exactly. Yeah, they'll exactly. forgive you and anything. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> But then you're missing, you know, you're missing the benefit that they they can be for your life. Um, and then the last one, and this one we didn't talk about today, but I do just have to put a plug in for get the sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Carmen talks about this. You talk about this all the time. And it is so true. And I actually, like I said, I, I had good habits already around exercise and relatively healthy eating and all of those things. But I, I, even now I was probably doing like six to seven hours on average. Um, and I've never been like a four hour person. Like I, I always knew that was a disaster for me, but really challenging myself for the, the seven and then eight, you know, really shooting for eight. Um, and if you think about it, your time, um, that was less time at night than to log on. Right. Cause I'm like, no, I gotta go to sleep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, um, but it, it forced me to shift to those different, uh, times during the day when I could do that work. And, uh, so I would definitely emphasize the prioritizing sleep because there, it is, a an ec- epidemic of undersleep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, so Chris and I want to just thank you again for, you know, discussing with us today and for telling this story, which I, I know it can feel kind of um, vulnerable for us um, to pull back the curtain just a little, which makes it all the more valuable that you were willing to share it today. Um, for those of you who would like this fabulous new facilitator to head over and help you out during a workshop. If you have a group or you'd like to bring Hello Health in to those you know and love, you can contact us for the mini workshop that Dr. Pruitt will be facilitating this fall called Self-Care for Leadership Under Fire. You book by calling or emailing us on our website. The direct email is thepulse, T-H-E-P-U-L-S-E, at hellohealthclinic.com. If you like what you hear on Hello Health today, please support the show. You can do that by taking some time right now to rate and review us. It helps other people find us. Subscribe now so Hello Health today is automatically loaded into your feed. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.